Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of our Stormford Fireside Chat podcast series leading up to KubeCon. Uh, we're here this week talking with all sorts of different folks about the concepts of pain points. Um, today's guest, uh, guests rather, are from Trilio, and they will be talking to us uh, as an end user and also as a platform developer. So we're excited to talk to them today. I, as always, am your co-host, Noah Abrahams, open source advocate here at Stormforge. My other co-host. Cody Crutchington at Stormforge. And gentlemen from Trilio, thank you for coming here today. Will you please introduce yourselves to our audience? Sure, so hey everyone, this is uh, Prashant Koshibara. I'm the director of product uh, here at Trilio, uh, spearheading our offering for the Kubernetes community around uh, data management and data protection. Hey everyone, hello. So this is Bhagirath. Uh, I've been working with Trilio uh, as a solution engineer, and we've been working with Stormforge for the last few months. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, happy to be Thank, here. Thanks for having us. So, uh, we're going to dive right in because we're really interested in the Trilio data management platform, um, what's been built there, why it's been built. So let's start with, tell us a little bit about the platform and then, you know, can you describe for us a bit, you know, what was, what was the pain and the motivation? Like what was the problem state that you were solving that sort of brought this whole thing into existence? Sure. So Trilio World for Kubernetes, as you said, is a data management, data protection platform, and we focus on all things data, whether it is, you know, from a uh, developer's perspective of, uh, you know, doing test data management, or whether it is from a security perspective, making sure that your data is secure, or whether it is from an SRE's perspective, you know, making sure you are able to uh, handle disaster recovery kind of scenarios or, you know, migration kind of scenarios. Uh, Trilio focuses on uh, you know, all of these. Um, initially, when we started off, you know, uh, as any kind of data protection solution, focuses more on the day two aspect of things. But you know, with Kubernetes being such a team sport, where you have uh, you know your developers working so closely with your uh, you know ops side uh, and you know the uh, IT admin personas as well. Uh, you know, we realized that our product has the potential to, you know, suffice and focus on a lot of different pain points that the Kubernetes community was trying to, uh, you know, evangelize and build on top of with respect to application development and delivery. Um, so, you know, that that's our product, uh, you know, in a nutshell and what we offer to the community today. Let's go a little bit more into maybe a little bit of implementation detail. What does it look like for somebody who wants to, to you know, get involved with the product? What, is, what does it look like uh, technically as a user of the product? So uh, from a, um, you know, how the product been built, it's a cloud native application. It's a Kubernetes native solution that runs, you know, as a, uh, as an operator based solution. So we, uh, have an operator that deploys the overall instance of an application, manages those instances, however you want to control those instances, whether you want to control it at a cluster level or at a namespace level. Uh, that's the overall architecture, you know, whether you want to do a point-in-time capture, 
recovery, uh, you know, define what your application looks like. Everything is a custom resource definition for us. So it's very uh, seamless, uh, you know, very, very you know, follow a service-oriented architecture overall. Um, we are a stateless application ourselves, uh, but we protect, you know, both stateless and stateful workloads, whatever is running within the uh, Kubernetes system. And, you know, you may have your data aspects uh, running outside of the Kubernetes system, and we are focusing on, you know, protecting those workloads as well now. So you, you brought up, um... You brought up a good point a minute ago. So, you know, Kubernetes is, you know, still relatively new, I would say. I mean, maybe for some of us, it's not. So early on, would you say that the DR aspect and some of the governance driving those factors were really the problem you were trying to solve? And then you realized, hey, it can also be used for these other things? Absolutely. You know, like initially, you know, this was a few years ago when we uh, started off, it was more so focused on, you know, backup recovery, DR, ransomware kind of protections and things like that. However, uh, we realized that we control the data portion of it. And, you know, there, are, there is a lot more uh, feasibility and a lot more use cases that are being generated that will help the overall intention of Kubernetes, right? It's Kubernetes focuses on faster application development, faster application delivery, which is done by making sure multiple users of your organization are working together uh, collaboratively. And when you're working collaboratively, you need a solution that is not only focused on your, you know, your admins or your, you know, uh, you know, your, your resources who are focused on disaster recovery, but you can also, or you should also be using that same tool to focus on use cases that you're developers are using uh, the, I mean, or, or what your developers are trying to achieve. So basically it's, you know, one solution that fits multiple uh, use cases for different kinds of personas from development all the way to uh, deployment to, you know, uh, monitoring of the application and overall life cycle of the application. Cool. Um, so, Uh, so we've talked a lot about uh, applications in the past. And one of, the th one of the reasons that we work together is the optimization piece. We're talking about mm -hmm. the application optimization. Can you talk a little bit about identifying the need for optimization within the platform versus identifying the need for uh, external application optimization and and a little bit about you know the optimization that we brought in is that is that solving an internal pain point or is that more bringing value to the customers or is that both like where does that fit within the platform that you're delivering and how does that fit the solution so um, I'm going to answer the question in two ways, right? So when we looked at Stormforge and the optimization uh, capabilities that Stormforge had, we immediately realized that there are two kind of uh, uh, problems that we can solve for, I don't know, internally ourselves and for the users that we are servicing through our product. Um, so from, I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, at a high level, what our intention and, you know, goal is, and then Bagirat can probably step into the details of, you know, how we are uh, achieving that. 
So from an external use case point of view, when you think about point-in-time capture, point-in-time recovery, there are two variables that have been, you know, that any, any kind of solution or any kind of customer also is monitoring. That's recovery point objective, you know, how much, uh, uh, you know, what's the last point of capture or how much data loss can you uh, tolerate? And then recovery time objective, RTO, uh, how quickly should your, uh, you know, applications or your data get restored. Now, obviously both have a correlation, very, very strong correlation uh, to CPU and memory resources. You know, obviously when you're doing the capture, you want to make sure that uh, you're able to capture it quickly so that, you know, whatever you have defined for your toleration of data loss is upheld. And then if you are recovering, obviously you want to recover quickly. You don't want to wait for hours and hours you know, or days to make sure that your applications uh, are back up online again after a disaster. So those are the two main variables. And through Stormforge, what we realized is we can make it very intricate for the user so that any new application that they're deploying into a Kubernetes cluster, instead of uh, you know, trying to do raw analysis as to, hey, what should the best recovery point objective be for this application? We are using Stormforge to you know, provide that to the user saying that, hey, you don't have to calculate all those things yourself and let this automation tool you know, take care of all that. You know, let, let this optimization tool figure it out and give you that calculation as to, you know, what is the exact uh, cost that you are investing in terms of memory CPU and what is the value you're getting? You know, uh, it may be that you were, you were trying to push a lot of memory and CPU, but the advantage that you were getting from a, uh, you know, RPO, RTO perspective was very, very minimal. So now users can uh, you know, immediately understand as and when they onboard new applications, what should be the best RPO that they can achieve and you know, they can set it. And maybe if the best RPO that they want to achieve is not possible, then they know, okay, hey, we need to uh, up the resources on the system so that everything uh, still functions as a very strong basic unit. Similarly, from the recovery standpoint where you have RTO, we want to let users know that, hey, if you increase your memory and CPU to these levels, your application can you know, recover 50% faster. You know, that is a very, very strong value statement. And all of this being automated and you know, being crunched behind the scenes for the customer becomes very, very valuable because you know it's you know, you don't have any, you have peace of mind because you know, okay, hey, everything's going to be taken care of, everything's being optimized. Cost is going to be, you know, uh, suitable to my needs because I am dictating the resources that need to be applied. So, you know, considering the kind of world we live in, hybrid, uh, you know, memory and CPU do have direct implications of what you apply and you want to right size your resources very, very early on to avoid any additional costs. Um, so that's more on the customer front where we are using you know, Stormforge to optimize the experience for our users on our own platform. And then internally, uh, you know, obviously, as we are doing scalability tests, uh, stress tests, and uh, uh, you know, anything on those lines to validate the product regression tests as well, uh, we use Stormforge to make sure those pieces are also upheld in a way, right? Like uh, scaling to like, you know, 
hundred thousand backups and things like that. You know, what is the memory CPU need? What is the guidance that we need to provide to customers? That hey, Mr. Customer, if you have uh, X, uh, you know, uh, X terabytes of data, this is the best memory CPU config that you need. Uh, that level of guidance, which normally we would have taken multiple uh, engineers to run tests in parallel to figure out. Now we have an automated machine learning engine that does all of that for us. And you know, from a resource perspective, it's very, very simple. Uh, so not only from the build of the application, but also from the delivery of the application and the experience to the end user, you know, definitely there is a lot of value between uh, our own product and Stormforge. That's great. Um, <clears throat> you know, kind of getting, you know, Stormforge isn't the only solution that you have to help your customers. You know, I think you have something for GitHub Runner, you have something for, uh, you know, a few other things. Um, what does it look like, or can you talk about what it looks like when you identify something, what it looks like uh, for you incorporating your customers' needs and pain points back into the platform from a product sense? So uh, if I understood the question correctly, what you're saying is, um, you know, how are we productizing this experience for the customer? Yeah, we, we, right. you know, not not just Stormforge in you know general, but mm -hmm. not just with Stormforge, but in general as it is, because I mean, you know, obviously you have stuff up out there, mm -hmm. and you, you know, you're very customer focused. Right. So the way we track it is, uh, it's all it's all based on you know, there are, there's obviously things that we need to do, and everything needs to be prioritized. Uh, these kind of solutions are our entry point to understand what is being leveraged more by users it's a it's a test as well you know it may not be like all 100 customers are using it right away but tomorrow we see okay hey you know 99 percent of our customers are using stormforge with Trello. so that will make it very uh you know clear to us that hey this needs to be more of a productized solution so for example you know when our product we have something we have a feature known as disaster recovery right where a user can just take all the different uh, applications that he had protected into multiple backup repositories. And he can construct this plan and say that, okay, this is my minimal viable business. And I want to you know, get this instantiated again. So the way we think about it is it would be highly, highly valuable where we can have Stormforge predict that to the end customer and say, you have these seven, eight clusters available. This is a cluster at the lowest cost and the fastest time that you can get your application up and running again. So our intention again uh, is to first look at the traction in terms of how customers adopt. And once we see a decent amount of adoption, we productize it into the product. We already have a lot of plans as to where it fits into the product. Now it's more about you know tracking how the usage is. So uh so a question over to, to Begareth, since you're much more, you know, you're sort of elbows deep in the implementation when you're doing these integrations, what does it look like when you're doing these implementations and these integrations within the platform for, as Prashanto said, whether something's gonna be productized or whether or not it's just gonna be integrated? Are there differences that come along when you're doing that type of work? or it, does everything get done in the same sort of way? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. So actually, uh, while, while doing the implementation on the product side, right, 
uh, we have realized that Stormforge is something that is very easy for us to implement and integrate with Trilio, right? Uh, Trilio being a backup, uh, backup and recovery solution, the best benefit that we actually got out of it is for the cost optimization, right? And the integration with Trilio for the backup and recovery, it's much easier than, than writing it, writing your own automation suite for it, right? So when, when we actually have uh, Stormforge in place, which is integrated through experiments and config maps, right? It was much easier for us to just create those config maps, create those experiments, depending on different use cases that we were trying to build. Uh, so just to give you an example, right? Uh, having number of backups trigger either sequentially or parallelly, depending on the customer needs, is, is not a big task when we actually have Stormforge, right? For us, understanding an experiment and putting those use cases into the experiment is much easier because learning the experiment is, has, has become uh, a, a very easy task now. So instead of, instead of going through all the new implementation of the code for automation, the integration obviously has uh, helped us to do this much faster. And on the productizing side as well, it is much easier for us now to, to, to productize it with Trilio and then ask customer to follow certain steps so that the problems that they are facing from the cost and uh, their RPO, RTO side can be resolved very easily. Awesome. So, so if I were to turn that on its ear slightly, it sounds like you're also saying that the, the integration work is much more dependent on the tool that you're integrating with than on the behavior, whether you're looking for productizing versus a, a, a direct integration. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Great. Um, I think I am out of questions at this. Cody, what else you got? Uh, not not much. I can say these. This team is uh, really great people to work with. So you know, I've I've had you know a lot of fun working with you all over the past few months. So it's been great. Nice, Cody. Awesome. Oh, heartwarming. Love it. Uh, I guess it's time to move on to our rapid fire questions then. Cody, you want to grab this one? Sure. Um, okay. Again, rapid fire questions, not necessarily has to do too much with much of anything, if that makes any <laughs> sense. Uh, feel free to answer them as they pop in your head. Sure. And we're going to start. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Yes. No, I guess. All right. Favorite sports team? Mm, I follow cricket a lot. So, and there is a local Indian league called IPL. So, Mumbai Indians is my favorite team. Okay. So, I will also go with the IPL since it's going on currently. There's a 13 14 season. So, I have uh, Chennai uh, Super Kings, which is my favorite team. Nice. All right. Favorite piece of technology? Hmm. Rapid fire. Well, <laughs> I would say uh, probably my phone. Do anything and everything on my phone. 
Absolutely. Agree, agree with Prashant on that. That's actually a fairly popular answer, believe it or not. I was right in front of me, so the answer came pretty easy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Favorite open source project? Oh, I've been tracking Argo very uh, closely, and it's just been something that I've been looking at and uh, really, really liking how they've built and, you know, constructing the overall project. I agree with you. Yeah. So I am also followed Argo and there's one more tool is built, which is being built by one of the firm in uh, India. So it's called uh, BotCube, which is majorly for uh, communication or notification or monitoring between uh, different tools some, some, like Slack and your Kubernetes cluster. So that one for me. Nice. All right, last two. Favorite hobby? Hmm. Not doing anything and relaxing. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that can be a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe watching watching cricket all the time with some popcorns. That's fair. That's fair. From a from a more realistic point of view, I would say running. I do I do run a lot, so that would be. A oh, good okay. One. Yes. Yeah. All right. Favorite place to vacation. Anything that is close to the ocean and warm, especially since we are in the Northeast. So now that's, you know, that's still top of mind. (laughs) Yeah. That's that tough one for me. Um, On the domestic side, uh, we have any, any beach that matter. Uh, If you ask me on the international side that I have visited recently was, uh, was before COVID was Switzerland. I really liked the Zurich Lake. Man, we've been talking about trying to get over there at some point, hopefully with COVID, but I've seen the videos of all the waterfalls and stuff like that. Oh man, it looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Perfect, that's all I have. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. This was fun. Uh, Thank you gentlemen for joining us today. This has been a wonderful conversation. Great view into the building of a product and uh, and as an end user and a consumer as well. It's a nice dichotomy and we like to present it. So thank you everyone who tuned in for joining us and we will see you tomorrow on our next episode. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you everyone.